Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. You know, I had an opportunity this week to give it to the intern. (laughs) That's missed opportunities right there. (laughs) Saints and siblings in Christ, good morning. I would like to teach you a new phrase today that one of my dear friends and colleagues, Karen Nave, taught me. It is this. Practice doing what you like to think you should be doing. Practice doing what you'd like to think you should be doing. Now, is that clunky and complicated? Yes. But I'm going to say it enough times that it's going to be stuck in your head today, I promise, all right? Practice doing what you'd like to think you should be doing. This is one of those little ditties that I heard years ago. And I wrote down in the margin of my Bible. And so every time I come across this particular gospel text, it comes back to me and it hits me all over again. Practice doing what you'd like to think you should be doing. People of God, I bet that I could stand up here in front of you for a very, very, very long time, a very long time, it's a captive audience, and go on and on and on and on and on about how to live a good and faithful life. But here's the thing. I think you already know how to do that. In fact, I know that you already know how to do it. From the youngest of you to the oldest of you, you know what it means to live a good, faithful, righteous, grace-filled, Christ-like life. We, collectively, we know how to do that. And we, collectively we, are not always very good at it. Which is why I love this phrase. Practice doing what you'd like to think you should be doing. Practice doing, practice living in the way that you know that you should be. That, I think, is the core of this rather complex text before us this morning. So I want you to hold on to that idea, and we'll see how many times I can circle back to it, all right? First, though, some context. We are, as a reminder, making our way on a journey, a very long, month-long journey through the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And what a ride it's been. The four chunks of this chapter are divided up over a month, and they weave into this larger whole, the center of our call as Jesus' disciples. It begins, chapter 5, begins with the Beatitudes. And in that first piece, we hear from Jesus about who it is that his disciples are. He calls them the blessed ones, the meek, the poor, the reviled and looked down upon. And we are reminded that as followers of Christ, you are blessed just as you are. Last week... Jesus spoke to us about some of the responsibilities then of that blessing, of that discipleship. 
what it means to be the blessed ones in the world. He called us salt and light and commanded us to be salty, flavorful, faithful people who would shine brightly with the good news of Jesus Christ and not allow our light to be dimmed. And then in today's lovely section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to turn the disciples' perspective outside of themselves. And he reminds us that we are not Christ followers for our own sake, but for the sake of those around us. There is an accountability over and over and over again in this passage a responsibility to the other, whoever that might be, for the good of the community. You are called, Jesus says, you are blessed so that you might practice doing what you'd like to think you should be doing. Now, by that, I mean that nothing that we do as Christians, nothing that we do as believers, as faithful folks, is an individual action. Every single thing that we do impacts uh, others, has an impact on those around us. And when we remember, friends, when we remember that there are others around us who are then impacted by us, then our actions become shaped by that accountability. Because to be answerable to a larger community should put some checks and balances in place when it comes to being a disciple of Christ. It should change how we act in the world. As I think about this text, uh, I I was vividly reminded of a story um, from 2006. I was in high school. Some of you weren't born yet. Some of you are going to remember this really well. You may remember hearing about a shooting in an Amish schoolhouse that year. A man entered a schoolhouse, took a bunch of kids hostage, and left five young girls dead. What you may not remember from the media coverage of that event was the way that that Amish community immediately turned towards forgiveness for the perpetrator in the days following that incident. Now at the time, I and many were awed and confused by this attitude. And while some judged this quick and complete forgiveness, it was noted by others that the people in this community's willingness to forgo vengeance did not undo the tragedy and it did not pardon the wrong but rather it constituted a first step toward a future that was more hopeful and less vengeful. Their faith in Jesus, their commitment toward loving their neighbor, no matter what, set the tone for the aftermath of that shooting. What many viewed as impressive and out of the ordinary, that small Christian community viewed as the only possible response that they could make. They took what they had been taught that they should do, and they did it. Faith 
should change how we act in the world. As he entered St. Peter's Square on the 13th of May in 1981, Pope John Paul II was shot and critically wounded by a lone gunman, and he nearly died. Soon after that event, John Paul II went to visit his attacker and prison, and of the experience, he said this. He said, what we talked about will have to remain a secret between him and me, but I spoke to him as a brother whom I have pardoned and who has my complete trust. Now, you can argue, rightly so, but this is the Pope, and he ought to probably forgive people. That's kind of the gig, right? He has to set an example and be forgiving. But here's my argument to you. If we have that expectation of our leaders because of their faith, how can we expect anything less from ourselves? Practice doing what you'd like to think you should be doing. You have heard it said, Jesus says, you shall not murder. But I say to you that if you are angry with a sibling, you will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that's a phrase that we're going to hear a whole lot from Jesus as we walk through Matthew's gospel this year. And it's, I think, important here, it's really important to note that Jesus isn't adding to the law and he's not adding his own laws, but he is giving us a fuller, grace-filled understanding of the law as it stands. Our friend Martin Luther, in his large catechism, wrote of the commandment to not murder and of Jesus' explanation in this text, And he said, the meaning of this commandment then is that no one, no one should harm another person for any evil deed, no matter how much that person deserves it. For whatever, wherever murder is forbidden, there is also forbidden anything that may lead to murder. Many people, even though they do not actually commit murder, nevertheless curse others and wish such frightful things on them that if they were to come true, they would soon put an end to them. Now pause for a second and think about the last person that you thought, mm, in a parking lot or driving down the highway, because that's what I was thinking about and being convicted about over and over and over and over and over again this week. Martin Luther continues... Everyone acts this way by nature, and it is common knowledge that no one willingly suffered injury from another. Therefore, God wishes to remove the root and source that embitters our heart toward our neighbor. God desires to train us to hold this commandment always before our eyes as a mirror in which to see ourselves so that we may be attentive to God's will. And then... We can let our enemies rave and rage and do their very worst, and we may learn to calm our anger and have a patient, general, gentle heart, especially, especially toward those who cause us to be angry. But I say to you, Jesus says, be reconciled with your siblings and come to terms with your accusers 
Be mindful of what you say and what you do because you, people of God, are my blessed and beloved disciples. And what you do impacts the people around you. So show up, do good, be kind, and walk the walk of faith. But you already know how to do that, right? Right? Yes. Even if we're not always very good at it, all that's left to do is practice. And for this good news, we can all say, thanks be to God.